Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. The Riddler and I start this episode off by sitting down with our friends David Smith and Kyle Goslin and talking about their lives in the military. However, about an hour in, we encounter some technical difficulties and I lost the last 40 minutes of the interview. I was super bummed out about it because I wasn't sure we'd have time to finish it before David and his family left for Japan. We did, though. We made it happen. Um, We did it the night before they left. We were joined by our friend Ethan, who's getting ready for boot camp. So part two is David and Kyle giving Ethan some pretty important advice about military life. But I think it's wisdom that could apply to anybody. We didn't escape from this thing unscathed, though. My podcast blunders cost us Kyle's. Epic Tales from Yemen. So we're going to have to do this thing again at some point. If you're interested in helping some veterans out and improve their lives, check out the We Defy Foundation. Uh, We Defy Foundation uses Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to help combat wounded veterans. You can find them at wedefyfoundation.org. You can also check out Mission 22. Go to mission22.com to find out what they're all about. As always, this episode is brought to you by the world-famous Tortuga Soap Company. All the things you need to keep you looking and smelling good, you can find them at tortugasoap.com. Enter the discount code PODCAST and get 20% off. And Port City BJJ, home of the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. If you're ever in the Portsmouth, New Hampshire area, make sure you come check us out. PortCityBJJ.com If you need some jewelry... Make sure you check out beautytobeast.etsy.com. If you enter the discount code RIDDLER, you will get 10% off. If you need some ties, make sure you check out Dapper. We are Dapper Ties. We are Dapper Ties. Quality knit ties at an affordable price. Enter the discount code ROLL and get free shipping. If you train jiu-jitsu, it's probably too late already. You're probably beat up. But if you're interested in custom videos designed to help prevent injuries and keep you on the mat, you need to check out bjjprehab.com. Enter the discount code TORTUGA and your first month is on me. It's actually on Mike Pellegrino because I'm not paying for it. But make sure you check it out because the videos are really good and they will help you out. Um, Shout out to the Red Wing Superior Podcast Network. They put this whole podcast together. There's a bunch of other shows on there that are worth checking out. So please make sure you check that out. And come hang with us in Mexico in April. April 8th to April 13th. BJJ in Paradise. Registration is open. They started off with 30 spots. I know for sure there are not 30 spots left. So make sure you sign up soon. It's going to be awesome. It's the best trip I think I've ever done in my life bjjinparadise.com thanks everybody for listening we really do appreciate all your support hopefully we'll see you guys soon out there be good peace I mean, these things, listen, I have done this thing in many, many strange places with grapplers. I've been wrist locked on the podcast. The thing has been kicked over. I can do that again if you want. 
Jake, my man Eric Bydark has wrist locked me on the podcast many times. So whatever you do is probably not going to be that bad. Ow! Yes. Um, so we're rolling. We're live. That didn't hurt. Live. Thank you guys for doing this with me. Number one. Um, for for the for my listeners. Your listeners. For my listeners. Your listeners. Uh, the listeners. Obviously, we're stuck with the Riddler for this again. We're coming at you live from the home, from the motherland, Port City BJJ, with my two friends here that are leaving me, David and Kyle. David's going to Japan. Japan! Kyle's going to San Diego. Um, There's no weather there. Kyle is the the king of all white belts. The king of the white belts. (laughs) Um, So you guys are both in in the Navy. Right? Yes. So for, let me just say, everybody that listens to this knows, I don't know anything about anyone. So um, you can feel free to tell me when I say something stupid. You don't have to let Riddler do it because I get super annoyed when the Riddler does it. Um, and it would be less annoying when <laughs> you guys do it. Nothing but love today, George. Oh, good. I'm different now. I've changed. Um, He's a changed man now that we're in a purple belt. Just, yeah, congratulations, yeah. dude. That's right. Thank you. Purple belt Riddler. Well, I mean, you know. And it's kind of fitting. <laughs> For those who are those who don't know George very well, George was going to compliment me, but held up. <laughs> <laughs> I and, did. And I and wait, a couple weeks ago, I totally pissed George off. So I, I owe him a couple uh, a couple of good licks here. So uh, I'll take that one as one. You got three to go. But um, Kyle saw it too. Kyle saw me get upset. I was. I was it was awesome. It. Yeah. it was nice. It was good. Let's push so, him a little too far. So my man David has been with us. So you two, these two guys are two of my two of the be, the best academy members you could have. Wherever they end up, um, you're going to be stoked to have them because man, they're the um, so look at the nice things I'm saying. But they're like <laughs> clear, <laughs> um, come up early, awesome kids, train the right way, respect for the environment. I don't know if that's all from the military or what, but whoever you guys end up with, it's, it's going to be, they're going to be psyched to have you. It's the writings we've incurred yeah. over years of service. Maybe, maybe. Um, David was first mm-hmm. to come to me many yeah. years ago. It was, uh, yeah, sort of, we some stumbled in, just kind of trying to see what was going on here. How'd you find the place? It was really just trying to find a, a place that we liked. We'd been to a few different other places, and we just didn't just didn't feel like the the environment suited what we were wanting. What do you mean we? My family. Your uh, family. Yeah, my wife Sherika. At the time, it was just my son that was coming and training. Because right. um, we started him out in San Diego before we left there. I was training there too before we came out here, mm-hmm. and we were just trying to find a place for him to get situated because they had a really good program, kids program over there. Right. And it was just. Leaving one family, trying to find another family, and now we got my daughter Mila that's in here right now, just rolling around. So I've met your whole over the course of this thing. I've met your. I feel like I've met your whole family. Oh yeah, Papa. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've met them all. You've met Papa, you've met my dad. Sherika's family is here right now. You've yeah. met all of your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom has come. The whole gym has met all your family. Yeah. Everybody knows Nana says now. Nana, Nana says. Oh, so this thing. So we were one time we're in kids class and like these guys were in David and his wife were in San Diego and Nana was bringing them 
And they two were arguing about stuff, and it was like, Nana says, I was, so that was my thing after that. I was like, listen, Nana says you better get on that wall, and you're going to do the technique. And it became a thing, Nana says. So you say this to David when he doesn't do the technique. Yeah, I was like, listen, Nana says, you better get over there and do that waiter sweep. Yeah. So, but you were born where? I was uh, born in Bogota, Colombia. Uh, I was around nine months old uh, when I was adopted by my, my parents. Which are Papa and Nana. Yeah. For those that are listening. Who are from Texas, right? No, Tennessee. Tennessee. So I was born in Bogota, Colombia, and then I moved to Columbia, Tennessee. So I went from being a jungle monkey to a redneck in a period of like 12 hours. So grew up in Tennessee. Really didn't know anything as far as jujitsu goes. Didn't even know that was a thing. I did a couple karate classes, but my. Mostly it was football and wrestling around with my friends in the backyard. Just right. wrestling around. Have right. you ever met your family in Colombia? Nope. Never met them. Don't know who they are. When did you get jujitsu? When did I? So my first class was in 2008. Uh, I went to the Stronghold uh, gym. It was a CrossFit gym, and he—I guess he had just gotten his purple belt at the time. Right. I say, and he was starting to offer some classes, some personal classes. And how do I know that name? Is that, is, who, who's the, do you remember who the, the uh, guy, professor is? My, uh, Michael Cousy is the, uh, yeah. the owner. And he's hey, wait, one of the head, head yeah. black belts over there. Yeah. And he, my buddy, because uh, I was living with my buddy Danny at the time, he was like, hey man, come do CrossFit and then we'll do this thing, we'll do this jujitsu thing afterwards. I was like, what's jujitsu? Right. He's like, oh, you just, just try it, you'll like it, you'll like it. So I tried the first class and since then I've been hooked. Was it gi or no gi? It was no gi, it was just right after a CrossFit class and then bam. Right, right in jujitsu. I love this. Did you beat your friend up? Well, he he's he's considerably taller than I am at the time. So the answer is no. No, but I enjoyed <laughs> I, I enjoyed the techniques that were getting shown. Um, he, that sounds like a, a rationale. The answer would be no, and you kept going. Did you ever yeah. beat your friend up? Eventually, eventually, because yep. he stopped going, and then I got more knowledgeable right. on te- technique wise. Right. Such as like glorious. two classes, if you think about it, and uh. Once I finally got him, he's like, all right, I got to go do something else. Oh, wow. I see how that works. So he he was a good dude. Um, I think he's out in Italy somewhere right now. Right. Doing whatever he's doing. When did you join the military? I joined uh, right after high school. Um, It was was around 2008. I joined June 10th, 2008. The first time I tried was actually after the World Trade Centers collapsed, uh, the attack. Uh, I was in sixth grade and I went. <laughs> right after school, everything was canceled at school. Uh, I went straight to the mall where I knew the recruiting center was. I was just, hey, I want to go. Yeah. Me, they're like, no, you're too little. Get out of here, scram nerd. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, time to get stronger and bigger and faster and everything. So, and lo and behold, my senior year, like 10 days afterwards, I was on a, on a plane and then on a bus and then I arrived at Great Lakes to get uh, boot camped for Ours was actually 13 weeks. That's where the boot camp is for the Navy. Mm-hmm. Is. Now, you've been on a boat, though. I've been on a boat. I've been squadron. I've done a couple of uh, individual augmentee billets. Um, and for those that are, are watching squadron, as in what? Squadron is just going to be anything uh, air-related, aviation. I've done aviation shipboard. So Navy, explain. Mm-hmm. Navy has, Navy brings people to the fight. Yes. But also, ha- ha- I mean, has weapons as well, oh, yeah. right? Do you have? But you don't. Ha- do you have air? Like, we, the majority of the time, uh, the Navy is doing a lot of 
as far as aviation goes, it's going to be all carrier based or some small boys. Who lands on the carrier? Air Force? No. Navy. So Navy has their own planes. Oh yeah. All right. That's what I was trying to. Specially equipped planes that land on the the carrier. The only ones, the best kind. That's it. Not the Air Force. Not the Air Force or the Army, for that matter. Yeah. Our only our pilots can land on the poster stamps out in the middle of the ocean. That's crazy, right? How long is that like? So their their pipeline, I know a little bit about it, but I don't know all of it. I know they once they they have to test for it. And once they get selected, they can either go helo or be a, uh, a fighter jet pilot. But it normally takes them at least a minimum of four years before they're ever ever doing stuff operational wise. So Kyle, I believe, is in the Navy, but has never even been on a boat. Yeah, he's that is true. One of the lucky lucky few, I guess you could say. Yeah, extremely lucky. Um, I joined the Navy a year after you. I joined in August, August 11th of 2009, uh, right after high school. Um, and my first duty station was a hospital at Lejeune, North Carolina, Marine Corps base. So when you joined, were you instantly like somehow you became a corpsman? So I signed up with actually <laughs> tried to join the Marine Corps as a uh, as a combat medic. And the Marines were like, well, we don't have those. And I was like, well, you have to explain that to me because you guys get shot a lot. Uh, so who fixes you? And they were like, well, the Navy corpsman. I said, say no more. And I walked out of the Marine Corps office and walked into the Navy office and said, I was told you guys do combat medicine for the Marines. They said, yeah, it's a lot more than that. But we'll, we'll, we can get you there if that's what you want to do. So they did. And I went to boot camp. And from there, just like uh, David, he went to his his a school um, his a school was was with aviation mine was with uh hospital core school and also in great lakes illinois and uh, after that you usually go out to uh your first duty station unless you have some kind of advanced job and they send you to a uh, secondary school or something but pretty sure you probably went boot camp a school and then right to your first duty station yeah boot camp a school that was quite a quite a culture change but it also took me a while to get through the school where was a school for me, it was in Pensacola. Oh, yeah? And what rating were you? I'm an aviation organizer. Everything that goes boom. You're, like, affiliated with it. He plays with fun stuff. Yeah. Build it, ship it off, let the pilots drop it off, and then come back. Do it all over again. So you build it? Build the ordnance, uh, small arms, everything, all the ammunition, grenades, anything you can think of as far as anything that goes boom. Now, can we talk about what you do now? Like, where, why you're here, up here? Like, you're stationed at a... Yeah, uh, I'm stationed, per, well, currently in the process of right. permanent change of station, PCS, uh, from Sinsec 4 Deck, Deck Carry, which is uh, for the little no, more more known area, I guess, Seared East. Right. So, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. I was there as an instructor for a little over the last three years. Badass. Who gets sent? So I've known a lot of people actually have like come through here that have been instructors there that somehow end up with us. Um, it's because we're all psychos over there. <laughs> Apparently we are too. Yeah. Uh, but they're all good people. I mean, but uh, the mountain, right? You go up to oh, the yeah. mountain. The mountain. Uh, but who goes to the school? 
So the school is pretty much anybody that's going to be at risk at a either a high risk or a moderate risk of capture. In the Navy or any? In, in, in the armed forces. Yeah. So we have slots for Army, Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard has, has come through at times. Um, we've even had some some foreign forces come over and do some uh, some training with us as well. It's, uh, it's a really good pipeline. Uh, now it's, it's more considered a pipeline for most of the aviation guys because they're always flying doing something. Yeah. Um, Marine Corps, those those guys that finished BRC, basic reconnaissance course. Some of those guys come out that are going to be on the East Coast and go through our go through our school. A lot of good guys come through this, come, come through the course, and it's definitely an eye opener, I would say, for most of them. So Kyle came in. Maybe a year ago. No, more than a year ago. No. A year and a half. Well, when you first, the first time. Yeah, yes. The first time with my son. you brought your son in, um, you weighed a lot more than you did now. Holy cow, yeah. How much did you weigh then? So the first time I came here, I brought. 270. No, God. Close, though. Uh, you weren't far off. 270. 253 pounds. Wow, I was joking. You were 253? 253. My goodness. Mind you, people who are listening to this, I'm you really five foot nine. Not very even. strong. Are you that tall for 253? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's not yeah. tall, George. That's <laughs> <laughs> very tall. In, in your, in your You're lane, he was not. Wow. Still, you he's masking up player? Sure, 250. I mean, yeah. wow. 5'9", so. 253 pounds. How much you weigh now, pal? I am 181 and a half pounds. God damn it. Man. You're fucking less than me. That sucks. Fuck that's, that shit. That's good for you. We're happy for, for him. It's great for me. Um, good for you. I'm yeah, 187. What do you say? 180 what? I was 181 and a half this morning. 181 and a half. 181.5. Um, still heavier than what I joined the Navy at. Well, so Strong what? Strong little 18-year-old boy that joined. Well, uh, that's the truth. Hasn't quite <laughs> got got the man body yet. It's weird. You're treated like an adult, but you're really not yet for no. a few more years. But yeah, that was, I think, last spring. Not this past one, but before that, I brought Kellen in. Uh, wasn't having it. Wasn't having the jujitsu. He wasn't interested. Andrea scared him. But he wrestled with me. He did. I remember wrestling with him. <clears throat> and every, he was having fun. All three moves you taught him, he's been doing on me for two years now. <laughs> Nice. Sneak attacking. Nice work. Nice. Uh, he is going to be a sniper. We have determined. We have determined that. After mm -hmm. the fight at Riddler's house, uh, the UFC fight we watched, we discovered he's going to be a sniper. He peppered sure. me with the night, with the uh, Nerf. I have, I have a pair. Gun. I have a pair of Nerf guns that shoot four. What do you guys? Four ordinances. Yeah. I'm gonna use all. Uh, I'm gonna use. I'm gonna use four non-lethal weapons. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use uh, my, my three military terms. I know. Uh, the four four foam bullets each, but it to cock the gun to into the right position is dramatically difficult on these. So your little guy was like. Yeah. And he figured it out. He did. And he must have been doing that for. Oh, An hour and a half. The yeah, first couple of times it was yeah. great because it was it was. I'm sorry, I'm going to sell your kid out. He goes, he was shooting it at me, and I'm shooting it at him, right? And then he he puts the four bullets back into the into the Nerf gun, and he's going, he can't do it. He goes over and he goes, Mom, will you do this? For me? I thought it was yeah. the cutest thing of all time. It was great. And, you know, and she was like, me Dude, no, she just yeah. looked at him. She's like, Nah, you can do it. I'm like, Yes. 
the little guy, yeah. And he was... He's bound and he determined. He finally determined that the most fun person to uh, destroy in the entire room. And there were probably 20 people this in the room. This was a target-rich environment. Yeah. Was. It was. George. It was. It was a target George. 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 Yeah. I Most got range, long range. Everywhere. Everywhere. Anywhere Temple. Boom. Yeah. Shot me from everywhere. Didn't care what I had to say. Stop shooting George. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yep. Uh, so then we didn't see you again for a while. Yeah, you didn't. Um, Bye. Probably close to six to eight months uh, I didn't. I didn't have. The, there's a story behind why I don't. Oh, you don't have, have to money, tell the story. But, but I didn't have the money to, to really do it in my brain at the time. I'm um, spending it on other things that weren't as beneficial as jujitsu. But uh, some things happened. I got in a little bit of trouble with the navy. Decided that I was going to sober up and uh, stop drinking January first. I've been sober since January first. Did three months, it felt great. I started to lose some weight. I was at about 245 pounds and <coughs> said, I'm going to do some jujitsu. Oh, so you got in shape before. You were work, I tried like, working to, out. But I said, you know, the best shape I'd ever been in my life was wrestling. You lost seven pounds. So. Yeah. And I figured. <laughs> it took him three months. <laughs> if grappling was the best shape I could be in my life, I can't go wrestle at the yeah. high schools around here. Yeah. So he I shows up here and 20 pounds flies off of him in like three weeks. It was. It was I, I can't believe what this has done for me, like just on the physical fitness aspect alone. Bought an A4, now I need an A2. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so much. I will say this like, I'm not necessarily the, you know, jujitsu saves lives guy, you know. I am. I think it does, certain, and, and I think it does, right? But, but I would say this that you are not the same dude that came in. Uh, you were not the same guy. You. Have changed. I think people were frightened of you. Uh, Steve said he was. Steve, 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 who is a frightening guy? He is, but he said he was more like that. Is this guy going to be a school shooter type scared? Because my eyes were bugging out of my head and I was angry and just had a weird look in my eye. You were tense. Unbroken horse. I'm going to disagree. I think okay. I think that you had those things going on, but you were never out of control. No, no, the cool, we're not, not to control. Say that. Uh, I remember rolling you around that time. And uh, I don't like rolling with guys like that. I don't like rolling with people who are just going to just just let it, let it all hang out the whole time, even though they know what they're doing. Uh, I always feel responsible for hurting somebody or whatever like that. But I would, I, I'm sorry, I don't call you out too much, but I would say, hey man, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's fucking roll right now, you know, like chill a little bit. You were fantastic. You would always do that, and it wasn't long. It was like no. probably four or five weeks, and you just got to. No, you always have been good on the mat for sure. I no, think you, you could tell you had the, the darkness. Yeah, you had some darkness. <laughs> yeah. But this yeah. month generally gone. I'm not saying you don't have darkness right. now, but you put it. You, you got into the into the spot, man. You know. How many guillotines would it say it took you <laughs> to stop doubling George? Stop doing doubles on George. <laughs> Gotta be, uh, it's gotta be up north of 700. <laughs> no, but I would say 50. Oh, it's more than 50. It's, it's, it's more than 50. It's in the hundreds. It's, it's in the hundreds. I mean, there were, you've taken me, you're, you're up so high on takedown points on me. I think it's about 64 to 4. Well, see, yeah. the, the only thing he could do. Oh, and they're good. I remember they're the good. first time Steve kind of comes over and he goes, Sharolka. Like, okay, fine. Like meaning, like let's let's like see if we can get him to like the next level than just like blasting it and doing shit, right? Which you were, and so I just look at it. I'm like, hey, let's go, let's go, like let's go, you know, bring it on, right? 
and you came in for the double, and I, I loop choked you right off the top, ran underneath, and then dumbass here will not tap, right? So I'm like lying underneath him with a full loop choke, like going, I don't know how much harder I had to pull. I'm looking at Steve, Steve's like, oh, just go, go, go on, go on. I'm like, I don't know, you know? He's like, go on, go on, and then the little thing went off, but he toughest, just the toughest bastard, fully loop choked, still holding on to the double. I'm stubborn. <laughs> I mean, like a good one. I was reached under and got your opposite uh, leg, the whole thing, and you're like, nah, David's almost put me to sleep. Just, just naval, <laughs> naval rivalry over here. Oh, right? yeah. Being an AO and me well, being an HR. David's the uh, the silent guy. You've always been super nice to me. You know, you're like, oh, you know, hey, you know, slap bump and da da da. But one of the worst. Key, I don't even. You're not even a key team guy, as far as I know. One of the worst key teams I've ever gotten ever was from this guy. Nice, hundred percent. I'm like, that's ah, not gonna work. God. What is it? What is it that? Uh, because you're 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 more at ease with. I feel like you know, right? Like you were tense a while ago, and now you're like, you're the level of chill has gotten. More. What is it? Does is that jujitsu? Is that like? I I mean it's 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 jujitsu as an umbrella. I I feel like as that's my outlet, but I think that I definitely know other people. Um, I, I personally know I deployed with them. We, we went through a lot of the same things together, um, and they went through things far worse than what I had to endure. And they took like the route of CrossFit, or uh, I've got one Marine who, God bless his soul, he, he's an artist and never in a day in his life ever drew anything. He picked up a paintbrush and, and some pencils after he got out of the Marine Corps and just tried it. And he is, I mean, he's been featured in magazines. He's, so it, it's about an outlet. But I think there's something to do with the physical activity. And I personally believe with jujitsu, it's the trust factor. Uh, at any point in time, anyone who gets you dead to rights in a submission could seriously disfigure, maim, injure, or kill you. Uh, if you get somebody in a rear naked choke and decide you're gonna hold on to that thing and not let go ever until that person's done, you kill them. Uh, so I'm instantly trusting another person that I don't know with my life, and I have issues with that as it is. Um, so I was forced to let go of some of the control issues and let life kind of take its path, uh, and that was really, really freeing for me. I think. So I think that's the biggest part was, was the trust here and the camaraderie. Yeah, I met a bunch of new people who treated me no different than anybody else. They didn't care, not that they don't care that I'm a veteran, but that's not who I was. I wasn't defined by it. I was defined by, here's this new guy, he's a white belt, he's a former wrestler, you know, he's fun to roll with, like, let's let's get this guy as, as best we can while we have him and, and treat him like we treat everybody else here. And that family attitude mentality here was really refreshing. Can, can we back up to the trust thing? Because yeah, you are not the only person on this podcast that said that. We've heard that from a lot of different angles. Not necessarily just a veteran or whatever. But obviously you have to deal with that just like anybody has to deal with trusting. People have to trust you too. How did that work? Um, I don't think I, I... I think I was maybe oblivious to it in the beginning. And then it was actually brought up to me by um, a purple belt that trains here. Yeah. Has really, really been good to me. Not that everybody else here hasn't either, but they had brought up, have you noticed that 
there's a two-way street there with trust that people are trusting that you're not going to slam their head off the mat um and a brown belt here too that you know i, I picked him up by accident because i didn't know you couldn't uh, just suplex people in jiu-jitsu <laughs> my first week i thought i could bash you off the ground and to let go of my damn arm well you this you individual kind of triangles can, everybody yeah um, <laughs> he kindly took me aside and said hey Oh, well, okay. You, you can if everybody if power bombs are on the table, then yeah. But but you're right in regular traditional right. and training, especially it's training, training partners. Yeah, right. Uh, if training so, partners like power bombs are on the table, the power bombs are on the table. But but this individual yeah. had trusted me multiple times that right. I wouldn't take it too far, and to have that from someone that you don't know very well. It makes it easy for you to kind of let go of your trust issues. Sorry, I know there's some uh, some plane sound going on at, at this right at this point, but we got America flying around. That's outside. right. Yeah, that's all that is. Sound of freedom. Got some, <laughs> got some bombs. Could with, be. Uh, we we, we asked them to uh, do that little right. flyby. Yeah, yeah. But that you, I think you hit that on it. I mean, that's that's a really cool thing to say. Like maybe one of the reasons why jujitsu does save so many people, certainly save me, uh, is because not only do I have to trust people, I'm using your words, but they have to trust me. And like you said, maybe, for, certainly for me, once someone starts to trust me, then it makes it easier for me to trust them, bada, 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 you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that part of it. But, but why don't you just, uh, I'll be a little aggressive about it, why don't you just quit like when you just be like fuck I'm just gonna go to a place where I can power bomb people um a like, like a wrestling factory yeah. yeah like I'm sure I'm sure there's there's gyms like that I know of a few around yeah, here that I could have gone to right. but um, that's what I'm saying it it is the attitude that I felt here when I came in and finally talked to George and I mean I know that like I know when the first time I talked to George he could probably hear the shakiness in my voice uh, um just nervous I just wanted an outlet like I had already started this journey but you know being sober wasn't enough for me to kind of get rid of the demons if you will and uh, I just desperately wanted an outlet you know I wasn't happy with where I am with my physical fitness I was overweight standards for the Navy by far I'd had three shoulder surgeries back to back uh, and I kept making excuses of like oh my shoulders gonna get hurt and I talked to George and he's like so just tap really or tell the guy not to wrench on your left shoulder and you'll be good. And I'm like, oh, you guys do that? Cool. And there wasn't an ego in sight when I came in here. Well, except for my huge ego. And, and mine, <laughs> And Riddler's. Yeah, mine. Right. You know, but <laughs> that was refreshing for me. To be in an environment where I knew everybody in here was better than me and could handle me, right? In a way. Um, but there was no ego about it. And they had no problem with like, hey, this white belt snuck in a, a rear naked choke. I'm not going to fight this. He's got it. Like, good for you. I shouldn't have got to this position to begin with. There you go. And that right. was big for me. I'm like, wow, these guys really don't care. Right. Like, they, they're not trying to prove that they're the best. They're not in here beating their chest. Um, and when they are, it's, a, it's like a joke and it's an obvious joke. Like Zach. I mean, Zach was pretending to ride me like a bull last night at practice, but we all were laughing. It was, it was more like a little pony, but yeah. A little pony, yeah. yeah. My little pony. You're more of a little pony. Yeah. yeah, I'm a pony boy. That was what it was. Uh, Zach is, a, uh, is, is a, a relatively accomplished MMA fighter, and he's been doing this for a long time, and uh, also knew that uh, that would be a perfect moment to ride you like a little it was. pony. <clears throat> and, he's, and he's been one of the best guys to me here. He's really, really 
let me push myself and go hard and push right back. That's one of the great things about I love it. guys like that is, yeah. And I'm glad they're here too, because that way you don't have to do it on me. Because I used to be like, nah, time to lighten up. But uh, yeah, Zach's great for that. You can go as hard as you want and he'll be there. There's a bunch of guys who are like that. back to you though. Yeah, that's, I learned that lesson. Yeah. So did George too. George, Steve, Steve, I learned that lesson. Mm -hmm. Roughly, many times in his side control. You don't want to push that guy. No. He trained with Elio. Yeah, and then there's a couple of times where you guys. <laughs> That's how old he is. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Oh, don't, don't. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, maybe you should push him more, George. Anyway, I do, I do. So, I don't know how. It was a while ago because Icon hasn't been around in a while. But Icon used to do submission only tournaments in Maine. It was like the best like tournaments. I thought they were great. You would get. Like the rounds were quick, they were like four minutes or something. And you would fight everybody in your division. And if you won by submission, you would get a point. If you lost, or no, maybe you got two points. And if you tied, you got one. And if you lost, you got zero, I think. And then, depending on how big your bracket was, you would, you would either like fight everybody and then it would be over, or you would then fight other people from the other half of the bracket. And it was like action-packed, cool tournaments um, that they don't haven't done in a while. I don't know if they'll ever resurrect it, but one time I feel like I hadn't seen you in a while, David. And then I met this tournament, and there he is competing. He's in the mix, and uh, oh, it was a, it was awesome. I love it. It was like, you know, I was like, all right, I'll help you out, and so like. I'm coaching him, and I don't think I'm a very good coach anymore. I'm more of a motivator. Were you out of school at the time, around here? Did you compete out of a school, or did you just show up? No, I, we've been we've been training. I've been training here for maybe maybe six months. Yeah. So you basically didn't tell the guys here that yeah, you were no, going to no. compete. You just signed up and went. No, they just said, "Hey, there's a competition." Oh, okay, I got you right. Got and you. One of the guys yeah, that I went, worked yeah. with was like, "Hey, you got right. to go to the competition?" I was like, hey, said, "Sure, whatever." Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll try anything. Got it. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Because it was a, it was a, you could sign up the day of. You could like just right. show up and enter, throw it into the mix, and uh, there he was. So like in the lion's den, in the lion's den, dude, the white belt division. I remember. I'll tell you what I remember. From white the belt. Those kind of open divisions, those are the worst. I can't even watch. I can't watch because there's always someone who's been wrestling for 13 years who comes in and doubles people into the freaking judge's desk. So it's funny right. that you say that. <laughs> there was a takedown at one point, and I think it might have been the first. I think my advice was probably like, dude, be super aggressive. You know? Yeah, be there first. And, yeah. you know, whatever Don't I wait said. To have and so he gets out there. I think he's at you. What you because it still saves me every time I go to a competition or watch, and I tell Jeremiah the same thing. These are not your friends. You don't have to be nice to them. <laughs> Let it all go. <laughs> I did say that probably because it's the, I tell no. you, I White tell you, advice, here, baby. <laughs> I tell you, here, I'm always like, look, kill, these are your kill, friends. Kill. You know, these are your friends. Be no, good to your partner. So if you don't, I sometimes feel like, and I'm sure I did say exactly that because it sounds like I mean, this is not your friends. You can be aggressive in here. Get well, they'll be your friends after. They'll be your friends right, after, right? right? But this is a competition, right. you know. So the first, I think the first match, and my memory is not the greatest, but this is how I remember it. The first match, there is a huge double leg takedown, and it was like definitely borderline slam. And I'm like looking at the ref, and I'm looking around, and there was no slam called. And I was like, all right, sweet. So then after he won that match, I was like. 
just one notch lower. You know what I mean? I was like, that was awesome, dude. Just one notch down. Like, because I really thought you were going to get the slam called on that. Um, it was scary. Yeah, it was, dude, it was amazing, though. It was like, it was so, it was beautiful. Um, do you remember how exhausted you were after that match? Oh, man. Every single match. It was like, <laughs> oh, I've never been that tired in my entire life. One of the, uh, one of the, our, 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 one of our old coaches, our old judo coach, used to say, uh, here's what you do, right? Can you go like this? And you just put your hands out. And for those of us, I just put all my hands out and my feet out. You just ready? You tighten up your feet, and then you tighten up your legs, and then your knees, and your hips, your body, and your head, your right How long can you do that? You can do it for like 30 seconds, and then you're totally exhausted, right? And so when you watch people who are new at competing, in jiu-jitsu, like their their posture is so tense. You couldn't do it with no opponent for more than 30 seconds, so let alone three or four minutes. So yeah, everybody gets so tired. And then you see so people much tension. a little more relaxed. They're, they only put the power on when they need it, you know, and all that. It's four high intensity it's, minutes. Yeah. It's four it's minutes of fury. fury. White belt fury. Yes, ma'am. Mila's, Mila's looking for some chocolate. Yeah. chocolate. <laughs> yes, you can have a piece of chocolate. Uh, <laughs> I like the two different eggs. Right, right. I'm hungry. Yeah, you know yeah I don't want chocolate. Yeah. You, know you want chocolate? You don't want chocolate. I think they, they may have planned that ahead of time. I think so. They've just been I, out there just yeah. plotting that. Yeah, like, but, it's, but, your it's, dad. but it's funny because you look at, like, you know, uh, Russell just said the same thing. I'm obviously wrestling super intense because everything needs to be forward motion all the time there's no there's no like stalling into a spot there's no finding it there's very it's less isometric it's more just go 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 right but you get that you get that you know 15 second 30 second break of you can take a drink of water and kind of shake your arms out every two minutes rather than right. you don't know when your opponent's going to kind of lay it on you right five and, minutes. and this jujitsu thing i think you find that you find these big static isometric positions where you're going for a sub or you're or you, or, or like you're you're resisting the sub you know it's not actually going to happen but you haven't figured out a way out yet <laughs> and you get these big and again yeah how long are you going to you going to hang on so it's it's very logical you're going to be freaking exhausted you know and by the way, George uses your story of the competition. I love Whenever that. he's explaining competitions to any new white belt who's oh, yeah. thinking about competing for the first time, my first competition, it was your story that was used. And I think that's going to continue. When you leave, it's going to be, <laughs> a couple years ago, we had this guy named David who was in the Navy. He's gone now, but let me tell you about his competition. Well, actually, your, your story will. You're a staple. Kyle's, your, yours will as well. Everybody's is, staple. We had, this, we had this guy who would... He had a scary double, and it's probably doubled me like five or six times at the beginning, until I'm like, finally, this can't happen anymore. But he was so good at it that every now and then you don't get the guillotine, and then you're like, God damn it. So it's still worth going for. Just keep going for it. Yeah. You know, at some point it'll work. But yeah. so uh, so a couple of us taught. Uh, we haven't. I haven't seen you as much, David. We we taught Kyle the uh, tornado throw, cyborg tornado throw. And uh, he's been uh, implementing it. He still only kind of almost gets it. He hasn't figured, quite figured it out. But if he could just get that turn a little more, he would be unstoppable. What is this throw? 
Oh, it's, nothing. Uh, nothing. It's, it's nothing. the one that you watched me hit on Jay, and I paid for it dearly. Did you actually finally hit it on Jay? Yeah, you remember you told me? Yeah, I told you, because we didn't me. tell Jay. You said it would be the ultimate troll. Well, no, the thing was, I had been practicing it <laughs> on Jay. You forgot to remind me that the payment yeah. had come my oh, way. I don't care that. about that. <laughs> so I had, uh, yeah, so, knows. so we had been working on this separately, and I had practiced it. I actually threw it on Jay, but he was, he was letting me do it. Because I was working on it, that's why I gave it to you. I, I try everything out on Jay first, make sure it works. I chest it all out. We just go, we eliminate the problems because I don't want to pass on something that doesn't work. And so I really worked it out so it was going to work. And we were doing that and da da da. But no, I didn't, no one told him and that we were. I showed it to you and, and one other guy as well. And that was the troll is that he's not trying to kill you when you play stand up. Right, he's playing nice. Jay? Yeah, well, you, he does. But this guy is Guy Kyle, right? And so as long as you let him have a grip. He's trying to kill Kyle, too. Yeah, to his After the first double, uh -huh. that was over. Right? Well, that's, no, that's what I'm saying. As long as you're not doubling him, he's not coming in and throwing you all over the place. He's kind of keeping you at bay, and that was the perfect time to do it. So you're saying it did work. Did. Oh, I will totally bring that up the next time Jay's on the podcast. Yeah, and you know what it went right into? Me getting that weird Peruvian necktie. I don't care. Can't do strangle thing. He's that is the best. Uh, he does this cool Peruvian from the from the from the rear naked position. Ah, immediate regret. Ah, ah, it's like putting your hand in, in fire. You yeah. immediately regret that. Oh decision. come on! You were smiling yeah, the whole time. You're going tap 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 smile tap 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 smile because you got the dude. That's oh. the best. What a great troll. He was. You realize now he told the story. Now I'm going to pay for this too. Yes, you are. That's why we did it. <laughs> so let's go back to the icon. Oh, Gold medal that day, going, right? Go. Came in second. Second? The one guy that beat me ended up taking gold. Yeah. So you only, like, but how many matches do you have? Do you remember that? Uh, <clears throat> I want to say it was, I want to say it was either four or five. Yeah. It was a lot. It was a few. Like, the thing that was, the, the, the reason why it stands out, and I remember the whole thing, was because it was the perfect example of, a human being that used everything they had for the first match and had zero left <laughs> and went back up for match two and and whatever they didn't have then they used more of nothing and and used it up again and there was a multiplier yeah dude there was point every single match it was so odd like that fires me up that's what i don't care if you win you lose you know what I mean? I don't really care. I've seen people win, lose all the time. I mean, it's always better to win. But I remember, I remember the things when people are so like exhausted that I mean, they don't. I, I don't. I don't think you thought you were going to be able to do match two. You know what I mean? Oh, my, it was like I just got finished doing a, a 100 meter sprint in the pool. Like yeah. my, my body was just. Yeah. They're like. David Smith to mat number three. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What do you? I just got done. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is this gear or no gear? No gear. Oh, so there's no stalling around either. You no, and, they, and they were, close the, it up and hold up the, for a little while. The idea behind the whole tournament was that they made it the rule set the way it is because they wanted action the whole time, right. and, and I think it in general it worked because it was quick rounds and you had to move. Um, that was the the the, the takeaway for me was that. No matter what, even if you think you got zero left, there was still something. Mm -hmm. You know, there was still, and I'm like, dude, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right. Yeah, like, you it's gotta gonna be expect, good. You gotta and expect it's, your, it's gonna make it. 
Yeah. Yeah, your your opponent has zero left too. Yeah, they do. But you know, and somehow but I mean after that first match you think, you know, you're like, I can't even walk. Mm-hmm. You know? But then like somehow five minutes later walking. You, there's something you're walking, <laughs> you're back in there, you're you know, you're hitting doubles. That was uh that was that's why that that stood out to me for the for you know and the double where I had to be like, all right. You know, I'm like, I, I it's like you know, you try to tell like tell people like this is what a tournament is going to be, but you never know until you do it. And uh, but then you got to fine tune the aggressiveness a little bit, you know? Like, ooh, we just got to dial it back a notch, you know? So you don't get DQ'd like I mean, we've definitely had but the DQs are memorable too to me, you know? Yeah. Like and Andrew, uh, he just got DQ'd uh, at in the gold medal match, purple belt gold medal match, um, at Grappling Industries or something, tap cancer out maybe, tap cancer out, right? And uh, he he reaped, I think, right? Didn't he? Reap? Yeah, he, the the guy was was doing the whole. I'm gonna sit right down, and we're gonna start from from sitting, and he wasn't having it. Pull so guard, pull. He went he went right up, pulled him right up, and then he pulled guard and. You could see it in his eyes. He instantly reaped, it, and it was like an immediate disqual. And he was right. like, oh, "God damn it!" That yeah, but he took it. it and, uh, you know, and so I, I'll remember that probably. I call him DQ now. Yeah, and uh, I remember a match at uh, at the Boston Open where Chris Lapiana. I was coaching him, and and he lost. Uh, Let me guess, for rebate? No, but it was an illegal grip. And so he had a grip, and you know, at the time, it seems like to me, uh, up until then, they would rules. just come over and grab the grip and pull your hand off, rules. you know? Rules. Right, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know. Yeah. So it was, I, I don't remember what grip he had, but um, they penalized him immediately. Uh, and so he lost because of the penalty. I think they were tied and he lost because of the penalty. But, you know, if he would have won that match, I probably would never remember it. But I remember that, and I call him the cheater for like a year after that. Like, I feel like the uh, there are so many different rule sets right now that I mean, the truth is they're all pretty similar. But there are some particular aspects of the rule sets that require you to be quick and get, for example, anything that's dealing with leg locks. If you can play heel hooks, you got to get, 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 get there. There's no slowly moving into from the ashi to the cross to the you know to the to the 411 there's you go right and so it's got to be tough when you practice that way when you go and play ibjjf or whatever not to, to just go okay no 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 don't do that don't do that don't do that so i understand that but i think anybody who's super super serious about competing beyond just i want to compete a couple times is going to stick within that rule set and really get deep with it and then they're gonna stick with another rule set and really get deep with it, you know. It's got out. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm letting these guys off the hook. Both these people that you're talking about play serious heel hook games, and they just ended up doing what they did naturally, and it wasn't the right place. Well, look at what happened with uh, one of our, our other friends who's a purple belt, uh, who, who trains here, who uh, just had a really big match and uh, ended up rolling into a knee bar position, and for whatever reason. Even though he's a purple belt, at that in the for that particular uh, rule set was there's no knee bars, so the ref kind of goes no knee bars, and he's like oh just let's go rolls over, and then they rolled out, and so the ref just stood him up and started him standing again. But 
the ref could have just DQ'd him, like right there. Let's not let him. anybody off the hook, though. Let's <laughs> hold on to that and make him remember it forever. Well, it's because effort, you're right. Effort. I mean, they should know what the, they should know what the rules yeah. are. Right now, it's submitted. I mean, there was a time where I was in a tournament and I was winning. Uh, I don't remember where it was or whatever, but for some reason it was embarrassing. Um, like, I don't know why, but it was the end. Like, it was super close to the end of the match, and maybe the dude threw in the towel like in the match next to ours, and it was right next. Like, the thing hit me or something, and so I just like I was on top. I just like got up, and, uh, and the match wasn't over. No, <laughs> the match was not over. Everybody's looking at me like, "What the hell are you doing?" I was George. like, "I was like, oh." So then I like jumped back on the dude. It was like, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, you know. That stuff happens. There's, we, we had a there was a big uh, sort of Facebook or social media discussion from one of our our, our alumni, Croiler, had had a big discussion about what actually is legal and not legal in the IBJJF, and that thing went on for forever. And you could just see all of the different sides. Honestly, there's especially as you get to the higher level, there's no way of telling exactly what the rules are. That's the short answer. Is it a slam? Is it a throw? Is it a did you watch the guy? Da 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 da. So in the end, I guess being DQ'd is part of the uh, part of the deal. Until you get until you become a professional and start making DVDs. I had a I had a match at the at the New York Open one time, and the whole crowd started yelling. Re re. I think it was like Jesus. Like, and right. they were yelling at me. Okay, I got I, it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, Quit being a jerk. Yeah, why are you guys yelling at me? Stop yelling. So uh, I have, I'm curious about a ton of things. What is there? So you, you guys come from the Navy. Hold on. we got somebody talking to somebody. You need to go? Okay. Um, first off, uh, is – so – What's your role? I'm sorry, I, I was gone for a second. You want to just recapping? What is your role in the Navy? You're a corpsman? I'm a, yeah, I'm in the United States Navy hospital corpsman. What does that mean to someone who so doesn't know what's going on? The the more the best way to describe to somebody is you just tell me you're a medic, like the the, right. the quintessential medic that you see in any military movie. Right, with the and you told box. me that that uh, like uh, tell me if I have this correct that Marines don't have quote, medics as yes. part of Marines? Yep, so the Marine Corps, uh, not being an official branch of their own, they're a department of the Navy. Oh, I didn't and know. I'll we'll throw okay. that out yep. on the internet for everyone department, to Department remind. of the Navy. <clears throat> Your paycheck says United States Navy on it. <clears throat> um, so they don't have... Wow, that sounds heavy, and I don't know why, so oh, let's just keep on moving. It's all good. So anyway, your so point... They don't have a. they don't have certain... Uh, assets that the other full branches do like uh, medicine which Understood. is one of the big ones so they use Navy medicine there are Navy oh, hospitals on Marine Corps bases gotcha. everything is through Navy medicine so if you guys go out and see I, I'm sorry I, I apologize to everybody right off the top the terminology is going to be a mess if you go out and see action alright for whatever that means you're saying that a Marine group will bring some Navy yeah. medics. So uh, the way that it was for us, so and I, the, the brief rundown would be I, I went to boot camp, I went to core school, uh, I went to my first duty station, and then from there I went to a school called Field Medical Training Battalion, uh, which is the Field Medical Service School. That's where we learned our field medicine. So our tactical combat casualty care, combat medicine, 
um, the ins and outs of the Marine Corps. And what the school does is it gives you a job code that allows you to be attached to Marine Corps. Attached units. to a Marine Corps uh, unit. Unit, got it. So from Field Med, I went to 1st Battalion, 1st Marines uh, out in Camp Pendleton, California, which is in between Oceanside and San Clemente, California. Okay. Um, so the blue diamond out there, that's the uh, our, our big insignia. It's the one I got on my shirt there. That's so, it. First Marine Division, 1st Battalion, 1st Marine Regiment, and I uh, was with the Motor Transportation Platoon and for one deployment, and another one I was with Bravo Company, mm -hmm. which is an, an infantry company. Right. So they uh, have you right in there with them. Mm -hmm. There's one corpsman with each squad. Gotcha. So, uh, how, how many people are in a squad? Uh, usually in a squad, you've got four fire teams, three to four fire teams, so you're talking about 12 guys. You mean each squad? Right. So the group that you're attached to is somewhere with around twelve. So you're being like number thirteen. Yeah. Example, right? uh, and depending on what your your mission is and, and how many corpsmen are at your disposal, you may have uh, four guys in each company, or in each you have two platoons in each company, and you usually have four corpsmen in right. each platoon, and then one senior senior line corpsman mm -hmm. who is in charge of all the HMs that are there. We train them, we teach them. Uh, HMs, as in that's our abbreviated uh, like term for for corpsmen. Got it. So, okay. Got it. Um, so yeah, there's okay. there's 64 in each in each battalion, and Got there's it. about 1,300 <clears throat> Marines in a Marine Corps battalion. Okay. Dave, what's your role? So my role is aviation ordnance, and actually my next duty station is probably going to be the first time I ever do anything in my rate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Been, been lucky for 10 years. Uh, so aviation ordinance, anything that goes boom. Mm -hmm. So I went boot camp, Pensacola, and then my first Florida, piece, right. Yeah, Pensacola, Florida. Um, it's just basically a, a giant giant trailer park with a naval base on it. Mm -hmm. it's, and a beach, that's about <laughs> it's so it. True. That's about it. Um, then from there, my first duty station, I was actually attached to a squadron, which is an aviation unit, okay. HSC-8 out of San Diego. I met these uh, the Stennis out in 2009 and I finished up my, that was my first deployment. What does that mean? Uh, we were Stennis? The Stennis is a, is a carrier. It's one of the giant oh, okay. things that sh an aircraft shoots, aircraft. shoots yeah, an aircraft you're, you're, you're out of a, a huge boat. A, a giant boat. Gotcha. A okay. giant. Um, that was my first, first one. Um, then from there, uh, they still had this thing going on um, at the time. I don't know if it's still going on. I think it's like a general security assignment mm -hmm. now. But uh, I did an individual augment T billet down in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, where I did detainee operations for right. like 10 months. So got to have my hands on some dirty, nasty people for a long period of time. Right. Um, those people are not nice and they're not your friends. I don't care which side of the law you're on. Yeah. Right. They do not want to see any good done to you. Um, right. Uh, what was like was day to day you were dealing with these people? Day to day, uh, our schedule were there at the time. It's probably changed. I'm pretty sure it's changed. Everything changes. Uh, it was like three on, two off. So we three days on the block and two days of rest. You know, back at it again. These are generally people that were prisoners of. These are the insurgents that were trying right. to blow up his Marines and him while they were out on deployment. Yeah, that were these are all the all the, the, all, the, the all the bad dudes. Like everybody that you see, like in the videos that are actively beheading people, 
think of the ISIS dudes. These are the guys that taught the ISIS dudes that that generation that we're fighting now. They're still there. They're still there. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. And uh, that's what I dealt with. Right. Um, it was pretty. It was, it was neat. It was a fun experience. Don't ever do it again. But mm-hmm. you know, after that, experience. I'll pass on. After that, uh, I came back stateside. I hooked up with the Bonham Richard. They did a I did a hull swap with them. Hooked up with what? The Bonham Richard. It's a it's a it's a Gator freighter. So they carry around Marines. <laughs> Keep going. Nope. Nope. Once again, they, a they Gator carry, freighter. A Gator freighter. What's a Gator freighter? It's a giant taxi for Marines. So, it's a boat. So, oh yeah. It's a, it's sorry a, guys. It's a, it's One more time. Flat, it's a flat. It's a flat. It looks like a smaller aircraft carrier, but it's got a, it's got a, a garage. flooded well deck yeah. on the bottom so that the amphibious vehicles can go in and out. So when gotcha. Marines go to, like you think of D-Day, yeah, yeah, the back of the ship opens up, out come the amphibious vehicles to bring the Marines in to do their craziness. Sure, yeah, Because the Navy brings the Marines. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah you missed a little bit of that, but yeah. Marines, do they have their own planes or no? They do. They, they do have their own planes. Uh, yeah. um, not like cargo planes and stuff, but they really can't get anywhere without the Navy. So, so you were on the Gator Freighter? I was on a Gator Freighter. I did a hull swap. <laughs> On the bomber shard where we did a whole swap with the Essex that was out in Japan at the time, mm-hmm. I stayed uh, stateside. Uh, came back to the Essex, did a giant overhaul with them. I got a re- lot of really cool schools out of <coughs> that, just being on beach deck. I think it was just luck of the draw. Um, right. So, and then, uh, then from there, I was, I was on the Essex, and then I came here to Sear East, or so it's like four days. That's a pretty interesting thing. I know you can't talk too much about SEER, but uh, what does that say for? Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape. Right, and uh, if I'm, if I understand correctly, this is, you're a school that uh, provides that education to sometimes people that have very little uh, fighting training or anything like that at all. Yes, yeah, so a lot of the, the school is geared toward, it's a level C code of conduct course. We, we have the six articles of the code of conduct that basically tells you, hey, if this happens, this is how you're going to dictate yourself. Is, are you, as a are you teaching diplomats? Uh, we're teaching anybody that's a high risk of capture or a moderate risk of capture. That could be anywhere, anybody that's just sitting on an aircraft, uh, somebody that's getting ready to go out on deployment that may get stopped somewhere in Africa or get detained by another country. Right. Uh, for whatever reason. And you're teaching these people to stay alive in the case that they were captured? Uh, we're, we're teaching them to utilize the code of conduct in a way that they can return with honor. Uh, that is the biggest biggest thing. So the key, take, key takeaways from the code of conduct are, one, keep the faith uh, with your fellow captives, whoever you're with, whether it's civilian, military. School talk about this, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Whether it's civilian or military, keep the faith with them because they're going to be your backbone. you got to be able to conversate with them, make sure that they're on the same page that you're on the same page with. Fellow captives. Fellow captives. Gotcha. Keep going. So that you can you can be there for them. Just like here on the maps, that the whole trust thing, right? Um, and then return with honor. Like everybody we have the in the Navy the three core values are honor, courage, commitment. Honor being the biggest one. Like really I'd really care less, like if Kyle came back and said, Yeah, hey, you, you sold out our government. Well, I did what I had to do to stay alive and keep my my fellow Marines, my fellow sailors, fellow airmen. Fellow Coast Guardsmen, fellow sailors, alive in this particular situation. How did I keep my? How did I keep honor when I came back? That's the biggest thing: is keep the faith and return with honor. Beautiful. So, 
that's what I did for the last three years. This uh, school, though, is you do outdoor stuff, right? Oh yeah, a lot of outdoor stuff. So, in other words, you're not you don't have a bunch of people in the uh, in a uh, in a. Uh, well, I mean, I, I know you're. I actually know the answer to this, but uh, you don't have a bunch of people that are in the classroom, and you're going. You need to return with honor and be good to your fellow captives. Yeah, it's it's not. It's all, actually more action than that, right? It, it's not all. Um, it's not all classroom lecture. Yeah. Some would think, oh man, this year's gonna be a fun time. Spend some time down in. It's not a fun time, it's, right? It is. It's it the opposite. It is horrible. You're right. out in the in the, in the mountains and stuff, yeah. right? We, it, it, you practice everything that you're taught in a non-permissive environment where someone is out to get you. Wow. You have to survive in this whatever whatever the weather is up in, up on the mountain. You got to survive in it. Is this something that the uh, the client is signing up for, or this is something that the client is being assigned to? So SEER is mandated mandated uh, as per the Secretary of the Navy. Gotcha. Everybody that is at a high risk of capture or moderate risk of capture has to go through some form of level C code of conduct right. training. So can you fail? Can you fail? It's not really a course where you can can fail because if I push you to fail at SEER, I'm not doing my job as an instructor. I can take you. I can take you out in the middle of the woods right now, strip you down, and I can just leave you there, and you're going to fail. Well, not me, but yeah, go ahead. But, I, but I'm gonna, I have, I've given you the tools, okay, right. what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Right? Just how we critique Oh, I see what you're saying. If, if someone were to fail, you fail. You're yeah. saying you're, 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 your job is to make that not happen. Yes. I understand. Wow, that's, that's so, uh, yeah, we've been down that road here on this podcast yeah. too, but not with that yes, context. That's crazy. It's, uh, yeah. It definitely brings, so for pride in the job, you only have one chance to get this get this right. That's why SEER is such a, a great school because I tell tell the students every time they come in Monday morning, hey look, you came in, you're sitting down. When you leave here, you're not going to be the same person. Right. You're just not. The people around you, they're not going to be the same person. How long is it? How long does somebody go for? Some of them. So Air Force and Army, you're looking at 21 days. Ours is roughly roughly 12. So you're getting everything that they're getting smushed down. We're just more effective at delivering it. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> yeah, for those who are not watching this on video, there was an interesting look on David's face <laughs> was, was. as he yeah. as he described the last part of that uh, the, that sentence. That's fascinating, man. Is there any hand to hand combat in that? So a little bit of. Of everything is always going to be centered around self-defense. Right. Um, I know the Air Force may have picked up something, um, but I'm not not too certain on, mm. on the finality of whether someone else is going to be doing it. Right. Uh, they can probably seek it on the outside, but right. Twelve days. We just well, that, that was kind of what I was going down with. For for either of you, I mean, so does the Navy, for example? What is what is the role of in 2018? What is the role of hand to hand? I mean, like, just sort of uh, no weapons combat. I don't know how you got a better, better, uh, better description. You're in, in even mean, in training. You, is that part of training anymore? It's really not. Um, the only the only people that you're going to see are your traditional ground forces. So, if you've got a job within the Navy that requires you to be on the ground, like you're going to learn some stuff. Like if you're uh, with the CBs who are like the construction battalion, right? Like they're they're the fighting CBs. Like they. 
they get a lot of crap, but they do. They the CBs have been in some pretty serious battles mm. um, in Iraq, Afghanistan, and anywhere else that they've served. They are they are a very tough unit, and they do learn some basic hand to hand skills. So what are they doing? Like in that, like in a. In so we destroy everything usually, and I say we as in when I'm attached to the Marine Corps. They're very good at like um, decimating everything within sight. If you need this wall taken down, just call the Marines. Yeah. <laughs> the CBs have to come back and build that wall once we've destroyed the host nation's area. Potentially and, underneath, uh, under pressure. Yeah. Or um, another good one is the CBs would be uh, would be great at clearing a beachhead. Right. You, know, you get out there and they've got obstacles so that your your tanks and stuff can't get on the beach. Well, the Marines are going to go through and try to suppress the enemy, and the CBs at the same time are going to be blowing those obstacles. Uh, building bridges where there are no bridges, right. uh, setting up floating bridges because we need to get a supply line across right. a river. Uh, so that's that's their main function uh, outside of humanitarian relief. Right, right now, I've got a lot of friends at the CBs who are all over Haiti, the Dominican Republic, right. they're in South America, right. everywhere, and they're uh, rebuilding places. Uh, they really do a lot of work in Africa too. Right. Uh, but hand-to-hand combat-wise, the Marine Corps, who has the uh, Marine Corps Martial Arts program. Um, They learn a lot, a lot of grappling, uh, a lot of takeaway from Judo, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of takeaway from Muay Thai, um, and your standard boxing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd also say like Special Warfare, Navy Special Warfare, obviously, especially we, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably listened to the Jocko podcast or Joe Rogan, you've probably heard Jocko talk about it. The SEAL community, uh, SWIT community, like all those Naval Special Warfare units are big in the Jiu-Jitsu. So SEALs are a a, a subset of, they're part of the Navy. They are, they are, they are United States Navy Special Forces. Right, gotcha. Um, They're tier one guys. Those are... And then that those guys are going to end up with hand-to-hand combat training. Yeah, and it's usually developed as a small unit level. Right. So there's some basics of it, but it's really going to depend on like if you end up in Jocko's unit when he was active, like you're going to learn some jujitsu. Yeah, it's going to happen. Right. I see. What you mean. Um, but you also had people in the Marine Corps who, you know, if Brian Stan happened to be your, right. your you know, commander, you, you you're going to be learning some jujitsu. Yeah. It's going to happen. Right. You're going to learn some boxing. Right. Um, well, yeah, I'd also say it also depends on. Not just the Marine Corps, but for the Navy, if you're part of the security forces. Right. So I went and trained with the Army for a little bit, got a little bit. Okay. So, um, as we pause for a uh, for a station identification, <laughs> I uh, private podcaster Sean Catelli messed up the uh, podcast the other day, and it died halfway through it. But we're back on the night before my friend David is leaving, and he's actually getting his ear drained as we speak. How, how confident do you feel in uh, in Nurse Goslin? Well, well, he just stabbed me in the ear. He's I can feel him pulling it out of my ear right now. Yeah, it's probably it's like feels like a balloon deflating. He's done mine a bunch. He's actually really good, uh, better than the other hacks that have done my ear before. Don't move your head. I'm trying not to. Uh, we got so a lot a, of cameras out here. Funny story about doing doctor stuff with myself. So my buddy, uh, he had some extra IVs, and we thought it'd be fun to do IVs on ourselves. This is my son was like two years old, so we're sitting around the dinner table. He's sitting in a high chair, and he's watching us do, do IVs each other. And both of our hands were tied up, 
and in order to put a gauze back on the open <laughs> wound that we had, my hand was on his hand and his was on mine and both of our hands are tied up. In order to find something to put pressure on it, we had to take our hands off of each other. Blood got all over the kitchen table <laughs> and the wall. My wife was not very happy with any of that. What does that thing look like? It's, you got some juice coming out. Jeez. I, I think that you got a lot more to go though, buddy. Yeah, that was one pocket. One pocket. I was told just give it a squeeze or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, pop it. <laughs> when did this occur? Uh, so I first noticed it maybe back in September when I was out uh, in San Diego. Uh, some of it's going to be hard. Yeah. Probably, probably staying. Yeah, Did they teach you how to do this in uh, in Corman school? No, nah, a lot of this was really honestly just learning from Marines who are uh, famous for just repeatedly doing dumb shit. Um, and that's you kind of just learn on the fly, like, well, there's no real doctors around, so. Is this growth supposed yeah, it's, to be it's, here, it's, Doc? It's one of those, Ugh. I don't believe that man's been to medical school. And, uh, Lots of YouTube medicine. Go see Doc. He's he just got here. He knows Normally exactly what he's doing. You'll call oh, your man. you'll call your doc and uh, you'll get a hey. Well, if you flip open the uh, book that I left you to like page three, you'll be able to uh, view exactly how you're supposed to do that procedure. You're like, all right, we're learning via reading a book from 25 years ago. Good to go, Doc. That one hurt. That was a good pocket. That one felt weird. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, Did you feel that dream? Yeah. So, martial arts in the military, dude. And you guys, how long is your boot camp? This is where we pot, like, I, my, I messed up the recording. Okay. But so, I blame Riddler uh, because I think he insulted Jocko. And Jocko yeah. knew. And somehow he sabotaged our, <laughs> our recording apparatus. That was the one right there. You just hit the pocket, by the way. He got the, he got the good stuff out of that. So I guess it really depends on when you get there. When I got there, it was supposed to be an eight-week boot camp, but we did. They were short. Uh, drill instructors or RDCs, recruit division commanders, is what they called. They have the red ropes. Um, those guys are supposed to be the not nice guys. But uh, I got there and I was stuck in a holding pattern for an extra month while I was there. So I got almost 13 weeks of training. That was a good one. Good lord. Yeah, you got a good one on that one. Uh, Eight weeks is short, right? Eight weeks is a short time. That was back in 2008, so they were starting to ramp up everything uh, to get the numbers back into the fleet because all the uh, hot pockets of activity that were taking place, they needed sailors to go out and do stuff, I guess. Um, But while I was there, it was just one of those awkward times where there were... There weren't, there weren't enough people to make an actual, what they call them ships, make a department or a division. So you have two two divisions per per ship, I guess you could say, for your, your boot camp. And um, that's just what I remember. It could have changed by now. Um, I, had, I think I was in 272, and our sister platoon, our division was 273. But yeah, there was about, we started off with a, like 100, 100 guys, and by the time we finished, we only had, 
I think we finished with about 80 of the original crew. Like they dropped out? They dropped out or they just, they weren't physically fit. They're just, they, their bodies couldn't hack the Navy PT. Is it that hard? It's it not, at that time it was not that hard. I got there, I was like, come on now guys. We gotta do something else. You can't just be inside all the time. Cause it wasn't that bad, right? It wasn't that bad. It was like, I got really good at folding laundry. Oh God. And doing, that's not fun. And doing lots of push-ups yeah. and cleaning. Oh man, I could be a janitor. You guys are good at cleaning. This yep. academy has never been cleaner. Um, our friend Ethan, who was on Trent and Cook episode, also known as Private Stifler now, uh, is just signed up for the army, right? Do I get to talk? Yes, you get to talk. Okay, dude. so how in depth do you really want this description to be? Like how I signed up and why? Or no, but how long is your boot camp? My boot camp. Well, basic training and AIT, it's OSAT because I'm joining the army. What's all that mean? One-stop unit training. I'm going in as an 11X with a option 40, which means that I am going in for infantry and I get a- (laughs) More or less. And I get a chance to go to ranger school and I get to go to airborne training. And ranger school in this case means the 75th regiment which jumps out of planes and does airfield takeovers and really cool tip of the spear stuff like that. Have you ever jumped out of an airplane before? Not yet. When's the last time the 75th Rangers secured an airfield? Dude, I don't fucking know. Animal. It just looks sick as shit. Panama or Grenada. <laughs> it, was, it was in World War II. I love you. is messing with you right now. Dude. So you guys just went to Origin today. We went to Origin today and as we were walking in the door, Big old Pete Roberts, the uh, great guy, by the way. Awesome dude, love him to death. As I walk in the door, he's like, Stifler! <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, Kyle's here. And about six Instagram stories come up, and it's like, Stifler, Stifler. I was taking a nap out in my, out in my car before train, and I see this light like tapping on my window, and this like, just this giggle. Feels so much better. And I see Kyle like standing there and he's just laughing his ass off and I'm like, dude, fuck off, I'm trying to nap. Check Instagram, 20 seconds later, Stifler! (laughs) He was, when I heard Pete Roberts call you Stifler, I knew that the first person that had to know about this was George Law. I did receive an Instagram message. (laughs) He got a direct message. He didn't have to wait for the story. He got a direct message. What about Jay Manfield? Uh, Jay doesn't listen. Jay doesn't. You can't reach him. He's 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 out doing Mansfield sensei. He's out doing sensei stuff. Uh, but he'll know. Trust me. He'll, he'll he's, know. On, he's on what is it? Skywalker Island right now. Yeah, dude. Dude, I kept yeah, I, I kept this shit silent for like four or five months. I thought it was gonna like just be an origin camp thing. No. But my lapse of focus. You gotta wake up pretty early to, see what, to outsmart us, Ethan. See what you yes. did. You, okay, and the worst thing is, now Kyle has promised to ship me a gracious package. Oh, yeah. We don't know what's gonna be in it, Ethan. And, and you think you know, but. You have no idea. You don't know. And we're not gonna even give you a hint. But George Law is gonna be in it with me. So if any of you guys out there listening to this podcast have any ideas of stuff you wanna send to our friend, our dear friend, Private Stifler, while he's in boot camp. <laughs> Which, by uh, the way, we're addressing. <laughs> to private Ethan parentheses Stifler. Yeah. I will be more accepting if it is private Stifler and then parentheses Ethan. You don't get a choice in the matter. I know I don't. It's a mo- 
It's going to be great. Ethan, what do you think boot camp is going to be like? Um, Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> so the weird thing is that I'm part of a pilot program, and I'm like, dude, shit, what do I get to fly? And they're like, did you really score that high on the ASVAB? <laughs> 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 but instead of being <laughs> so instead of being in a uh, 17 week uh, what it usually is it's usually a 17 week I have a 22 week OSAT which is basic and AIT basics 9 weeks and then you go do infantry things like shoot guns and combatants which I think I'm going to be decent at why would you think that? You're not really good at jujitsu. <laughs> because I <laughs> because I suck at jujitsu, but everybody else is shit at jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I imagine combatives is like basic, basic fundamental, right? Is I mean, yeah. I would think that. Um, did you do anything like that? At the Navy, Navy we camp? did. We did not. The Navy did not do any hand-to-hand combat right. at all. Um, Only the showers. That right? is for probably. A lack of uh, pirates swinging from ship to ship fighting each other. Which um, is kind of a shame. It is. Which, there was a rumor going around for the longest time that that's where the Marine Corps came from. <laughs> but the, the Marines used to be the, the sailors that would swing from ship to ship <laughs> and would fight the enemy. It's not true. If that at was all. true, I would say. But do you know how many people believe that? And I, we always wondered where that branch of the Navy was, but it's, turns out that was a lie. Uh, my dreams were crushed. What so there was no, why Kyle signed yeah. up. So there was no... Yeah, I signed What's up because Tarzan? I thought I was going to do the Tarzan thing. And uh, that's not what happened. I ended up a medic. So, But there's no hand-to-hand combat unless you are in some sort of rating or job code that would require you to uh, be physically engaged with somebody in close quarters. So security forces... Um, any sort of policing that the master at arms are our, our, our military police. Uh, if you're special warfare like SEAL, uh, SWIC, which are the uh, special warfare combatant craft crewmen, they're on the uh, the little boats that you see with way too many guns on them that go way too fast. They go in and get the SEALs. They go and they bring them in, drop them off, shoot everything in sight. They leave. They're like the Marines of the rivers. Uh, Destruction, awesome guys. Um, EOD, I think, do a little bit because they're in with special warfare and, and they work in small units. But the vast majority of the Navy, um, you just have a whole bunch of sailors fighting each other in the engine room. So there was no need to teach them that. Have any? I don't know if we talked about Alan Shabaro in this podcast yet, but have any of you guys met Alan Shabaro? Uh, I have not. Uh, it's on my list. Man, I wish we could get him in here to to. to for you to meet him, Ethan, because he was like special forces. He, oh, yes, you were talking about him at Coach's house, probably. We were. Yeah, you had, we were surprised that you didn't know you going in the army. That you, we were surprised that you didn't know who Alan Shabara was. Um, not only because we're a we defy gym here in Port City, but he's. We need to ship you down. To he's, him he's, he's the worst thing guy. is, is that oh, yeah. up until about maybe eight months ago, I didn't want to join the army. I wanted to join the navy. Because I want to be a SEAL. And then there was just something in my head that kind of turned the gear, and I'm like... It was when you realized you weren't tough enough to be a Navy SEAL. It was kind of the point where I was like, dude, let's be real here. It was a point where I was like, like, if I somehow just fuck my body up and I'm stuck on a ship, I might actually fucking blow my brains out. That's probably where most people go, and then they end up a corpsman. Believe it or not, so Navy corpsman, um, I would say that they call them butt studs. Guys that go to Bud's oh, and they really don't quite make it. Yeah. Um, 
I would say 90% of them end up Gorman. Yeah. Because they'll usually get the like, well, what's my next best chance of going to combat? They're like, ah, it's going to be as a doc, but they go with the Marine Corps. Like, they go with the infantry. Like, we are the United States Navy Corpsmen are the most decorated rating in the entire U.S. military, not just in the Navy. They have more records and awards for their singular job code than any other branch combined. So, like, as a corpsman, when you're out there, like, in Afghanistan, you're, like, fighting, right? I mean, you're not just doing medic stuff. I mean, by the... Or no? So, by the Geneva Convention, um, all medical personnel are only supposed to fire their weapon in defense of their patient, which is why we're only supposed to have a a 9mm pistol. Or a shotgun. Or a shotgun, because we're Navy quals on shotguns. Uh, the reason we can have an M4, and this gets way into the gun world, but like M4s are considered carbines, which are considered an extension of a pistol, so we can carry them. Still wasn't the case for me. I still you also have to look through the battlefield now. The battle space that we're now fighting in is no longer as linear as what it used to be in, in conflicts in past. Uh, we're currently operating out of uh, parameters of operations other than war, so we really don't know who the enemy is going to be so everybody has the inherent right to self-defense and defense of others, but it falls particularly on the corpsman on how they utilize that because it gets into a whole litigation of what translates on the battlefield, what is considered aggressive uh, offensive action, what is considered defensive action, and it's normally comes up in the after-action report on what has actually taken place for, let's say Kyle had to use lethal force to uh, get to a patient that's going to come up later if he goes in and starts kicking in doors and he's a he's a point man he's no longer doing corpsman stuff yeah and there, there's a lot to it on on where i am as far as it as the the fire team or the squad goes or in the convoys but yes i was very much expected to be a part of the rifle team as any marine was you know i was as far as they're concerned until one of those marines went down i was one of them and they treated you as such. Um, you know, it was told to you from day one that like, hey, like doc, if we really get in the shit, like the very last Marine standing is gonna be defending your life. Like, cause if you can save one of us, it's worth keeping you alive. Uh, so sometimes you wanna get in the fight and you'll have staff sergeants or sergeants pulling you down saying, you sit the fuck down, shut up. This is not your time. We don't need you getting killed, idiot. And, so uh, like the scene from Saving Private, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Got his, when he's, when he's, the guy with the BAR has got his knee on the Private Ryan's back. <laughs> yeah. And he's, just, he's like, get off me, get off me. He's like, like, up. It's the same exact thing. Yeah, it's way, it's, it's, you're expected to be one of them until, until one of them gets hurt, but our job doesn't stop when you get back to base. Um, checking feet, making sure people are okay. Mental health, mental health is huge. Uh, I, I talk to a lot of junior corpsmen who are going out there with the Marine Corps and they, they ask for advice, you know, like, oh, I'm going to meet the Marines. What's the, what should I start hiking? Should I start doing this? Or like, uh, you know, what kind of stuff should I carry in my med bag? I'm like, they'll give you all the supplies you need. Know your Marines in and out. Know how they act. Know how they speak. Know their, their mannerisms, how they, how they dress. Like, you know, if some guy starts coming in dressed like a bum and he's usually pretty sharp dressed every day, you probably want to go talk to him. Uh, or if you had a really rough day out of patrol, you lost a couple of Marines, or you had a couple you know, casualties of some sort, like check in your guys, make sure they're okay. Like our job is not just to make sure you're not bleeding and you're breathing. 
it's to make sure you're physically, mentally, and emotionally, and, and in some cases, spiritually well. Uh, you know, if I need to get you to talk to a chaplain because you're someone of a, a religious faith, I'll find a chaplain for, your, for you of your faith to talk to if that's what's going to make sure that I keep you in the fight. Um, and I'd like now that I have jujitsu around, I'm hoping that maybe now that I practice jujitsu, they'll just, it'll open up this random veil of secrecy that there's a whole bunch of Marines out there that do it too. Um, oh, dude. And I have it. Because I feel like I never heard of anybody really doing any sort of jujitsu uh, when I was stationed with the Marine Corps at all. I didn't know of it. I don't think I knew not one person of any belt color in the entire three years I was with the Marine Corps. Hmm. On Camp Pendleton, of all places. All right. So just to go back for one second, the Geneva Convention. Mm-hmm. You're not. I like. You're not supposed to shoot medics, right? Uh, or is that wrong? No, that's correct. But it's that kind of went away in <clears throat> World War II when Hitler was having his snipers pick off the medics. Yeah. You would wait for an injured guy to go out, and they knew at least one person was going to come out. Doc. Right. Doc was going to come to that wounded guy. And that's where you see the Red Crosses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't wear those. No. 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 There's Not even in peacetime. The Geneva Conventions, anybody, a chaplain and medical personnel are supposed to be uh, they say they're signified by that red cross. That is a protected symbol under the Geneva Conventions. So, as a be, for it being a protected symbol, you're not supposed to shoot them. They're not supposed to partake in combat, like because their job is not only to save our guys, but in the rare event they may have to supply aid to an enemy that was a combatant. But once he has been taken out of the fight or wounded, and he's no longer to fight back, he's considered a non-combatant. And we still have to, to administer humane treatment to those guys. Yeah, and that's a big part of our training too, is, um, hey, once that guy is neutralized as a threat, not just as a living human being, but as a threat, he's dropped his rifle, he's surrendered. Uh, Doc, you need to get your ass over there and take care of him. Take care of the guy who's just trying to kill you. This guy, this guy could have just killed three of my friends. It's heavy shit. I yeah. have to be able yeah. to put that aside. And I know corpsmen who have treated a bomb maker who detonated an IED, killed three or four Marines, and then was shot and had to save that guy. Or at least make it look like he tried. I know a lot of people who shall not be named who are like, oh, look, I'm helping. Right, right. Let me stick my finger in this bullet hole and see how it feels. I tried. And I also know ones who said I had to kind of put that aside. My, my job isn't to be Judge Jerry and Executioner. It's to be the medical personnel here and whether or not this guy's a bad guy or not he'll have his day in court because um, he'll be taken as a POW he'll be flown into probably Bastion taken care of and then sent right to whatever prison's over there how do they how, who, who is the judge and jury for those guys that you capture uh, military military uh, sometimes host nations like Afghanistan they, they they now take their own their own prisoners we don't take them back to like Guantanamo or nothing anymore unless they're really a bad, bad person um, wanted for crimes against the United States of America more than involved in war. Uh, like they have to be like head of Taliban operations or Al Qaeda or something like that, or responsible for a terrorist attack on some other foreign soil. But most people will be. Currently, now I, I think I don't. I don't. David probably knows too. It's we've kind of turned things over to the host nation. Uh, you really only, unfortunately, the other day we had we had four guys that got killed. Uh, one of them, uh, Eric Emmond. 
from uh, Fall River, Massachusetts, who passed away, was killed in a roadside bomb attack. He actually was the co-founder of the Mass Fallen Heroes, uh, who they went around and took care of a lot of Gold Star families after their loved ones had been killed. Um, he's special forces. He was a Marine during the invasion, switched over to the Army, um, and they're special forces. They're just attached to Afghan units, really just advising. Uh, but, I mean, you get in the fight over there. I mean, shit comes a knock, and, you know, American troops are not ones to say, like, oh, this is your job. They're like, no, we're going to get up there and get some. Like, we're going to get after it. Uh, and, unfortunately, the war we're fighting, people like to click buttons and blow people up instead of fighting Right. Is there, I mean, is there a lot of hand-to-hand combat in, in Fallujah, like when the Fallujah... Oh, it, Iraq's a different beast. Is it? Iraq and Afghanistan are two completely different yeah. places. You're talking about urban terrain, buildings... Versus um, mountains. And- versus, and I mean, uh, a, a good person to really get a good idea of the difference between both on this is Greg Sinelli. Yeah. Um, you know, you had him on the podcast right. before. And, and, we will uh, again, too. He is someone who I've known for a couple of years even before I started doing jiu-jitsu and he's someone who I've really looked up to the past year kind of getting shit together and you know he, he always uh, he gives me shit because I still call him senior chief um, and it's it's kind of just a respect thing a lot of a lot of guys that are still active duty will call retired people by their rank you know when you make it to chief or master chief or senior chief like you've earned that rank for what life what rank is senior chief? Um, it's an E8 okay that's so, right or is, he's, yeah E8 He's seventh chief. You don't even have to uh, be in the military to respect Greg Sinelli. Like, no, that dude, he is himself. one of, like the greatest guys ever. Ever, like he's met my brother Kyle like maybe on like you can count like three or four times on one hand. He's always like, "What's up, dude?" And like, it's rare for me to see Kyle like actually go out of his way to talk to someone, and like he'll actually go and talk to Greg, which is like fucking amazing. It's just he's just one of those people that you can tell when you talk to him. He's he's very genuine. Like he, it doesn't matter what conversation I have with him. He cares about that conversation. It could be about how great these Albanese gummy bears are, and he gives a shit about that conversation. He cares. Or it could be about the fact that you're really suffering with some things you saw overseas, and you don't know how to deal with it. And he's going to take you under his wing, and he's going to help you out. But you know, going back to what you'd said earlier, he's he would be a good example of telling you how vastly different Iraq, Fallujah. And those nasty close quarter house to house clearing battles where there was hand to hand combat. You walked around a corner and someone was in your face. You don't have time to back up and shoot a rifle. You got to grab a hold of somebody. But Afghanistan is like it's bobbing and weaving. It's stuck in behind walls. It's people detonating IEDs while they're two hundred yards away in a tree line. Uh, it's using UAVs in the air to spot people in thermal and then and calling in an airstrike. Sometimes you're going door to door, but it's it's like mud hot compounds that you know there's one family room and you're going through chambers and you finally end up there but you know where everybody is all the layouts are pretty much the same you know it's like row houses uh so you know where people are hiding and half of them are booby traps so you don't go in them anyways but two completely different wars and then on top of that afghanistan's different depending on where you are in the country Mm -hmm. you know i just watched a um shout out to Netflix, they just did a, a series on the Medal of Honor recipients, and it is. If you haven't seen that, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen that Medal of Honor series, um, don't watch it if you're emotional. Like it'll, it'll, it's a tearjerker. Like some of these, what these Americans had, have done to, to be awarded the Medal of Honor and the things they've done and seen, 
oh my God. And one of them was about Cop Keating in the north, which is mountains. They were at the bottom of three mountains. The bottom. And two guys won the Medal of Honor in the same battle. Same fight. Two separate incidents. They weren't even near each other in this battle in the same base. While down in the south where I was, it was just a desert. Just sand for miles. We did a 300-mile convoy every three days, and it was like half of it. You'd get cut off by camels. You would have to stop because the camels, which were the coolest animals in the world, and I was pissed we couldn't get out and pet them. Um, which, come to find out, if you didn't know this, if you haven't visited a country with like natural wild camels, they are mean as fuck. They'll spit on them. Oh, shit. They spit. They spit and they bite. Yeah, they got big bite. teeth. I didn't know that. I thought they were nice little animals. No, they're not. They're evil. So that kind of ruined that fantasy of mine that camels were a cool animal they're not Ethan's rethinking camel thing now yeah, dude I was pretty in on this until you talked about the camels I'm like dude I had a stuffed camel when I was younger like yeah it'll ruin your ruined dreams it. man it, like the one good thing you thought Afghanistan was gonna have was camels nope yeah, they it. suck so both of you guys have been in the military for a good period of time even though it's different than than what private stifflers join in um they are also in the Navy, and I am joining the Army. Right, but what, like, so what, you know, what, what, what would you tell, like, tell him going in, like, you know, what, what is, why, if you had to sell it to him, you already did, but, like, what's the best part of, like, d- doing it? Doing? Jo- joining the, the military, joining being the military. in the military. So, when I look at it, you just got to figure out your, your own individual why. Why are you joining? I can't tell you, like, hey... You're joining because the American flag, red, white, and blue, patriotic stuff, yada, yada, yada. You're going to be tested regardless, and you have to find that one thing that you're willing to fight for to keep that alive. And where you're going to be going, don't know where you're going to be going. But if you're going to go somewhere, it's going to boil down to the guy that's on the left and to the right. And that's going to be either a brother or a sister wherever you're going. And that American is going to depend on you to do your job. And if you're going to do your job, you better be the best fucking person in the world at doing your job. Master your craft, hone it, and destroy everything in your path and crush everything that you touch so that you, be- you can become the best person that you are. And when you find your why, it- it'll- your mind will be blown. You'll know it. You can say all this patriotic stuff, yada, yada, yada. Like when I first joined, it was 9-11. I wanted to join sixth grade the day that it happened. They told me no. So, no. <laughs> I can't believe they told you Dude, no. he went to the recruiter's office like, yeah. I did. He did. That's yeah. the thing. Is they, it's, it's David did. And they told him, yeah. sir, you're, you're 12. I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think I can call you sir, right. little boy. Young man. Get lost, nerd. Um, <laughs> but now it's, it's morphed into something completely different. Now I've got a family. Like, I don't want that shit overseas coming over and happening here on American soil. I don't want some ID going off on... Lafayette Boulevard, right outside of Jiu-Jitsu, and killing a whole bunch of people, innocent civilians. Like that's, you'll find you'll find your why. I'm pretty sure Kyle has his own reason for joining, yeah. and his own reasons why that motivates him. And I think that is a great channel of advice. I talked so I talked a, a little bit about the same subject when we were heading up to Origin today, and it was one of those like, just keep in mind when when you get into the service and the kind of boot camp phase it kind of fades away and you're done with the whole like who ya this and who ya that and I'm so proud and you kind of get this like it, it's almost like the honeymoon phase of joining the military is worn off and you realize like this is my 9 to 5 every day like 
except it's my 4.30 driving to physical training in the morning to go run an ungodly amount of miles that's not going to be needed in combat because we're really just sprinting from door to door. We're not running five miles ever. Um, doing pull-ups in the rain, you know, you're out there just dirty and miserable in the field for 30, 60 days at a time. Uh, that's when knowing where your why is really comes out. Like, why am I doing this? Am I gonna, and, it, and you'll know about it your first reenlistment. Like, if it's worn you down by your first reenlistment, you'll, you'll know. You're, I'm all set. I'm gonna go back home to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Like, I've got this great experience. I've got the GI Bill. I'm gonna finish up my college. And that's admirable. Many of great men and women who have won valor awards for this country, there are Medal of Honor recipients who served one term and got out. And they gave more to this country than I probably ever will. But they'd had enough. And that's totally fine. But if you find your why, you'll end up re-enlisting. And then probably about three years into it, you're like, why did I do this? Why do I still have one year left in this contract? And uh, some junior sailor is going to come up to you and, and, and ask you, or in your case, it'll be a junior soldier who says, you know, like, hey, I'm really having issues. Like, I miss home. Like, I don't think I want to re-enlist. I don't think I want to be in anymore. And you'll find yourself giving this motivating speech to this young soldier about staying in. And you'll finally, it'll click like... I just told him why I still do it. And you had no idea that all those reasons you just told him weren't BS that you were pulling off a recruiting poster, like you, you really meant it. Um, and just like David, I, I, I have family. I, you know, I have a six-year-old son who, uh, it's cliche, but you know, that's, that's saying that you know, if there will be war, let it be in my time so that my children can live in peace. Uh, and that may not be the case. I mean, it's still the past what? Uh, Ethan, a unique scenario we were talking about today your father served um and you may end up serving the same war that he served in at the very beginning and that's a very unique thing for this country to be able to say we've been at war so long that fathers and sons have served almost two decades apart in the same war that's incredible to to, to be able to say that so um you know you that's that tradition piece that's coming in now that wasn't there before. It's protecting your family so they don't have to go through it in the future. Um, but really just being the best person you can be. Like, just don't, as, as cliche as this sounds, don't be a shitbag. Like, don't, don't be the asshole. Like, don't be the guy that's constantly hard to deal with, that never wants to do anything, that's always fucking late, never shows up to jujitsu class on time, that's <laughs> never shows up to... You're showing up to work, but you're like not in your uniform. You're like, I'm on time, but I didn't bring my uniform. Uh, like those guys get on everybody's nerves, and, and it, it'll wear your reputation down when we all know that you're you're a good worker, you're a hard worker. Like you're here because you want to be here, not because you were told to be here. Um, to like, just if you remember one thing for me and David, don't be a shitbag. Dude, I think like what you guys just said is so important, and like a lot of the world country whatever it is like the next guy the guy next to you is dependent on you you got to take care of him Absolutely. he's taking care of you that to me is the, like the most i think that's so important and like a lot of people in the world regular world do not have that philosophy it's like fuck the next guy yeah you know what i mean but i think that that is so fucking important like we got to take care of each other and I don't know if I'd have that if I didn't. Right. If I didn't join, uh, me personally as an individual, I don't know if I would have got that if I didn't join. 
I think I may have been that mass hole because uh, I, I did grow up in Massachusetts that uh, would have been like that. It's me, 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 me. Like if it's not benefiting me, then you know, get the fuck behind me. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Like the the world in general needs more of that. Big time. We're all um, brothers and sisters in some way. Yes, you can. So I've I it kind of took me a while to like really start telling people that I joined the military. Like I think the first person. The first two people I talked to were you and Kenny, because I wanted advice. Because I wanted to, you know, get to like a decent spot, and then I was going to tell everybody. And then after I swore in, I started telling everybody. Like I got home that night, and you know, my dad's there, my mom's there. I'm like, hey, I got the contract I wanted, and my dad could tell something was up, and he said, okay, sweet. So when do you leave? And I'm like, yeah, about that. Two days after Christmas. 50 days away and my mom was not really emotionally ready for that at that point and that was intense but the thing I've noticed a lot is everybody at jujitsu has been like they'll say they're proud of me and I really appreciate that I haven't done anything yet so I don't necessarily believe that they should be but I really do appreciate that but the big thing I notice is that, like, a lot of the kids I know from, like, high school or whatever, they'll be like, wow, we're going to miss you. And I think it kind of shows, like, a much different level of maturity and, like, introspect that someone can appreciate that I'm going out of my comfort zone and really changing my life. And they can appreciate that I'm, like, growing up and they can help me try to better myself in the limited amount of time I can. Whereas then there's like other people be like, yeah, we're going to miss you. And then they don't really talk to me. Yeah. And that's, and that's a weird thing you're going to notice as you, as you start to, to go along. I don't know about, I won't speak for David, but I'm sure he, he remembers, you know, you come home and it's all those people that said they're going to miss you. Don't really, don't really show up. Yeah. You, they can't find nobody or everybody wants you to like, oh, well, if you can come to my house, then you know, well, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll hang out. And it's like, bro, I, don't, I just came home on leave. I'm not driving an hour to see you. Come see me if you miss me that much. You know, you start to see who your friends are. I saw the same probably four or five friends that to this day, after nine years, they message me every couple of months. Hey, how's it going? How's your family? How are you doing? And those guys are the, still the same people that I would, I would, I would walk over a hundred miles of hot coals for anything for them. Um, but you'll notice that you'll see it. I mean, I'm sure you know, George. I'm sure you felt it with anything. Anytime you move somewhere, I'm sure when you went to Colorado, people were like, "Oh, oh I'm gonna man. miss you." Yeah, I didn't hear yeah. from you for years. Yeah, part of growing up, you know, for sure. <laughs> that, like Where did you go? people that you were best friends with. I know, yeah, you don't. I, don't, I mean, that's definitely part of life. Um, so, I would like to get the Yemen story again because I deleted it, but I can't because we gotta go. But. Uh, what I also did delete that it bums me out is like you said, you guys, when you were in Afghanistan, maybe you said you lost the corpsman. Yes. And you said his name. Clayton R. Beecham from Weatherford, Texas. Uh, he died on, in August of 2012. He was killed uh, by a, it was a directionally faced charge that was hidden in a tree during a, a, a patrol. It was daisy chained to five other IEDs. It was the only one that went off. It should have killed all nine guys and only end up killing him um that was our only kia we had a couple other casualties but he uh 
usually I have my bracelets on. One of them is for him, and one of them is for his squad leader who uh, ended up, he really couldn't handle Clay's loss, and he took his own life two years later. Um, Jeffrey Reber, who is kind of the glue that held us all together. So when he left, we were worried that there was going to be a domino effect. Um, two really great guys uh, that I'll miss for the rest of my life. Um, so, yeah, so if you're out there list. listening, uh, make sure you check out We Defy Foundation. Like, it's an important um, and a really good, super important organization um, of good, good human beings. Um, I love you three. You three are leaving me. I really do love you guys. <laughs> uh, the mats are not going to be the same. No, because when either David or Kyle is gone, I kind of sub in, and the work is subpar. But you know, it's still it's still kind of there. Like oh, I'm not boy. as good. Oh boy! But now your mats are going to be like MRSA infected. Yeah. Um, but I do know this. Like David's leaving. In a couple days, you're leaving soon. You're leaving soon. But our paths are all going to cross again for sure. Absolutely. Like, through jujitsu, we got a family. Now we have. We are all. You guys have military family, but we're part of a family too. And you're my tribe. Now. This family so, has been as close to me as any family I've ever had in the military, uh, if not closer. I mean, you say about people who get sweaty and hug each other all day <laughs> and try to kill each other. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thank you, George. Thank you. Sorry, I believe it's the first podcast. We're going to be mad if you don't say the last one. Peace. Yes. Yeah.